0: Hello there and welcome to another episode here on the Green Living Chats podcast. My name is David, your host, and we are happy to be bringing you a conversation right from my home country where we spoke to Shaq Espress about if the delivery industry can be sustainable. Shark Express is a tech-driven carrier and e-commerce company that seeks to bridge the gap between vendors and customers by providing a seamless platform that allows vendors to sell and give convenience to customers to shop from a great variety of shops. They leveraged technological advancement and the growth rate of smartphone penetration in the country, providing swift, secure, and reliable services on their mobile app, the Shack Express app. So. Anthony Owusu-Ansan, Ansam, is the CEO and founder of this company, joined us on the podcast to have a discussion about how can the carrier and delivery industry be sustainable. Again, we had Michael Rather, who is the founder of Industry 5.0, the first industrial evolution ever led by humans, based on industrial upcycling and the methodology of systematic waste prevention. Michael also joined us in this conversation to add his voice with his rich experience in logistics and industrial upside. So our conversation revolved around how logistics and delivery looks in Ghana as well as the loopholes we can find all around the world in this industry. We highlighted the problem of how society is losing its sense of planning ahead and reliance on technology and how can we turn this around to make the industry more efficient. So we talked about about Shaq Espres' business model and what they're doing to include sustainability into their business model. And on this episode, I had another surprise for you. We had a guest co-host.
1: Hi guys, my name is Hagan Brown, the founder of Ahaban Environmental, which is a group of engineers and experts who find solutions to our environmental and social economic problems. Today, I joined David on the podcast, to talk about Shack Express in Ghana in a sustainable world, where women empowerment, health and safety, among others, are important as climate change, we dive into how sustainable the logistic industry in Ghana is, and how Shack Express services is fueling a sustainable development.
0: Thanks Emmanuel for joining us on this episode but before we dive into it I want to let you know that this is part one of a two-part series with Shaq Espress so stick around with us next week for the second part of this conversation. I really can't wait for us to dive into this episode so grab a coffee oh no maybe Emmanuel let's welcome our listeners into this episode. So yeah grab your coffee and let us dive in. Here we go. You are listening to the Green Living Chat Podcast, a podcast where we discuss emerging environmental issues around the world and to find sustainable solutions. I'm your host, David Ewisimensa. We use this platform to support environmental-related initiatives, researches, and projects. This podcast is brought to you by Equiwamet Solutions in Ghana with a mission to going back to green. So join us on this train with new episodes this and every Sunday. Here we go. Hello, Anthony. Thank you so much for joining me on the Green Living Chats today. And today we also have Michael Rada on the show. So yeah, it's good to have two wonderful gentlemen. Thank you guys so much. You're welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. All right, today's gonna be fun. I want to get to know about this company, Shaq Espress. I mean, thank you so much, Hagan, for bringing uh, this on board because I, I found it to be very interesting. I've seen a lot of these companies um, all around, over the world, outside. So it's good to finally know that such a thing is happening within our own country. So, well, I'm, I'm super glad to have this conversation with you. But Anthony, before we get into everything, I really love it so that you can introduce yourself to our audience. Let us know who you are, how your childhood was. And you cannot do this without mentioning that you are from InfantSpem school. We have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret, guys. Today, I'm super excited more because we have an InfantSPAM all uh, student on board and all the guys should be happy about it. Michael, in case you are lost about this, InfantSpem <laughs> is the best school in the world. Is the no best school, school in the world.
2: Oh. <laughs> <And> Ghanian
0: prior... <laughs> uh, Really? Hagan, hey, if you have a problem with it, I cannot solve it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay.
0: I, I, would, uh, I
3: would say prep College is the best. But
1: please, don't start, points, don't start a war.
0: Don't start a war. No, it's actually
3: okay for him to say that because as fathers, we always um, train and then pray uh, that our children become better than us. <laughs> And since we bet, Premier <laughs> College, it's okay for them to become better. It means that are doing our job well. So yes, uh, exactly. We <laughs> are in a right path. <laughs> <Anyway. Congrats>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you, David and Brown. Uh, nice to meet you, Michael. Thank you for the opportunity to also be on this platform. I think going green is, is the way forward and is the future. My name is Anthony, Anthony Uswansam and I'm the founder and the CEO of Shark Express. Shark Express is a tech-driven career company, and we seek to connect the gap between retailers or customers or consumers and vendors or restaurants or whoever is selling something. So you notice that there's always a gap where somebody wants something from a vendor or a shop or a restaurant, and they struggle to find the the right logistics to connect to them. So for businesses, we are like the last mile, And for customers, we create the convenience for them to be able to conveniently get what they need from uh, wherever, in in Accra from now. But now we are beyond Accra, Ghana, and uh, international through our partners. Shark Express was birthed last year, May. We went live 9th May. By God's grave, we started with four motorbikes. But now we can boast of um, 47 with one car. Wow. And yes, it's not been an easy space. But before I get there, let me just speak briefly about and how Infantipin yes. is an amazing school. now you're talking, <laughs> now you're talking. Infantipin <laughs> is an amazing school. I am proud to be a butcher boy and okay. I'm proud that I went to Infantipin because um, <laughs> it actually sort of gave some level of exposure and leverage, even in business. You'll be amazed how... I've been able to connect with business partners through this fraternity. Mm. And if you're a Ghanaian listening to this and you want your child to have this <laughs> natural network, the place Free to habit. go is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say. <see, I laughs> it becomes this natural network. is something that you cannot argue without. So, and I went to Kean University, Kamen Kuma University of Science and Technology. Mm. I had my degree in physics then after that mm. i also did my master yes <laughs> geological physics to be specific <laughs> wow, oh, wow. wow. ask me not ask me any question about physics, please we are not here but <laughs> <laughs> don't disgrace your teacher <laughs> well, like michael said i mean do you really need a degree to use this distance but then again <laughs> it's a different conversation yeah so um I also had an executive MBA, MBA Business Administration, but I focused more on international business. Then I attempted an MSc in Arturo Science. Yeah. I did the first semester and then time did not allow me to complete the course. Oh, so yeah. It's still pending. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, my entire career has been about business development, market, mm-hmm. sales and marketing, relationship management. I'm the guy who will pick your product or services and get you the people who need it and to run with it. I'm also able to help build businesses or product to be able to conceptualize, develop, implement, sell, the entire supply chain process uh, of business and product. Um, Somewhere around last year, in fact, Shark Express was an idea in 2016. My company then relocated me to a different region. I was new there, so about two months in settlement. um, I was struggling to order for food, to the, to my comfort, I have to move a car or move to go get a food. So I asked myself. I asked friends. I didn't know courier services here. I can just use, and I said no. The mode and the means was not something I wanted to subscribe to. So I said to myself, okay. And you know, if you've been to Takara before, it's a very small town. The town is just around a circle. You don't have to travel far. So yeah. the courier concept came to mind but it was more of a bicycle and a motorbike approach more than mm-hmm. a, a car or a minivan. Then so I started doing, doing the paperwork, trying to understand the terrain, trying to know the people, know the businesses and how to go about it. Fortunately for me, I was relocated back to the uh, capital city for mm-hmm. a bigger role. And when I came, I got busy. So I could not continue with the Shakespeare Express idea. And this was 2016. Just until last year, just around the COVID time,
4: mm-hmm.
3: a conversation came up. So I was trying to help promote a friend's business, which is Korea. Mm-hmm. And I got so many businesses for the person that the demand was very high for him. And they were having issues trying to get him. So then I had complaints and I said to myself, you know what? This is something I said I wanted to do some years back. Mm-hmm. How about I create a services that will be able to meet this demand? And I was in for a shock. The market is so big in Accra that you will need a very large fleet and a lot of other variables and factors to be able to meet the demand. More importantly to which was the kind of service I wanted to give out to ghanians and businesses, the kind of uh, service that we wanted to, uh, the the convenience and the excitement that comes with it. I had the document already. So Mm -hmm. I reopened the case and then started making a call, speaking to, so I spoke to a friend, who was already in the space for about two years, but was mm. operating as a small business. So he, he actually broke it down step by step, every detail of the business, what I need to know, the bike recommendation, the processes, how to start everything. He walked me through it. So he actually gave me an easy start. Mm-hmm. So then I went to bar registration and on the 9th of May, by God's grace, we're up and live. Well, I was working at another company, so it was more of a side business Mm -hmm. until somewhere in June, July, the conversation of, you know what, we've been doing this for about three months. These are the challenges that we are facing. These are the things that uh, the complaints from customers. For us to be able to achieve what we need to achieve, we'll have to scale up the business. We have to add technology to it. And the business is such that you cannot run it to the extent that you want as a side gig. You have to commit to it. Because I'll be in meetings at work and I'll be getting phone calls and I'll be getting friends calling me, customers calling me, complaining about this or that. Um, Somewhere around June, I, I had a conversation with my wife about resigning from my work, quitting my main job and to focus on this. And, you know, this conversation it won't go down well like that. It's not a conversation conversation that you just say it casually and it just happens. It it took a lot. It took a lot. It took me PPT, Excel, budgeting, (laughs) forecasting, all the financial analysis you can think of.
0: I had had not gotten so
3: deep in financial planning analysis until... My wife asked asking questions about how <laughs> <laughs> you intend to do this. We did all that, and um, by God's grace, she agreed that, okay, you know what, let's give this a shot and let's give it all our best. Um, in July, I actually submitted my resignation, and first of oh. August, I started Shark Express full time. Full time oh, last year, interesting. Of, yeah. yeah. I've been a year full time in, in, in this business. It's been full of all sorts of things, uh, surprises, wins, losses, progress, setbacks. It's been, it's been an amazing journey and a very, very insightful one. Yeah, it's been a learning curve for me and for my career.
0: Yeah, we will be getting a little bit details into into your company and what your company is doing. I actually wanted to ask, A couple of follow-up questions to that. But actually, I think whilst I had a question, you just kept going and you were answering my questions (laughs) already in my mind. Every time we get someone who is in the industry, an industry trying to put things out and trying to make it, or who has even already made it, I always want my audience to understand what it is to, to go through that process. I check the statistics and we have a lot of people listening between the ages of 18 and 28, right? So which means that these are the people who are already trying to get into their careers, get into into the universities to understand, you know, how can they choose their life careers, right? And uh, I would like to hear Michael's thoughts on this as well. But uh, firstly, Anthony, would you like to tell us how was it for you transiting from maybe the university into what you were already doing? I don't know. How did you make your career choices? How did you even move from fixes to come and do a business-related course as a master? Sometimes people listen and they think that is very easy. Someone might be stuck at that particular point, right? So can you educate us a little bit, just in a few words? David, <laughs> This cannot be in a few
3: ways. So. <laughs> 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 but but let, me state it, let me state this fact that I didn't think and I never thought that at this time, at this stage, I would, Shaq Express would be my um, life, or there will be anything called Shark Express. So from the university to this moment, let me admit that there was a plan, but there was no plan. In the university okay what i only had in mind was to become a lecturer okay yes okay. And it was hmm, being a cool. dream to lecture and this dream came after i realized that i cannot be a medical doctor because i cannot work in the hospital so <laughs> it also came after i noticed that i really want to be a scientist then came after the fact that okay you know what i don't know if i have the business acumen to be able to manage businesses then it came after you know what you don't really have a talent or a skill anything you want to do so you know what just go with life so (laughs) yeah that is
1: actually being real it's true
3: yeah Mm -hmm. so I was actually just going with life. So after you, I had the privilege to work in a multinational company. And that is where everything changed for me. But before even national service, I, when I was going to submit my documents for national service, I opted to work before to do some internship because throughout my university period, I did not do internship. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of my mistakes that I did. And if, I to, if I'm to go back in time, yeah. one of the things I would do is to intend a lot because then when I started my national service there there were these three guys who had intend with the company for three years and they had so much knowledge so much skill the gap between them and myself was very huge Mm -hmm. now I mean I don't have I don't have pride when it comes to some of these things I went down I learned from them and I needed to learn what I need to learn so one of the most striking attributes that anybody who wants to aspire to be anything is to learn. And, and after my national service, by God's grace, I got jobs, offers, and all that. One of the striking things that occurred to me and that I took from where I did my national service was the fact that you always have to be curious to learn. Okay. So I work with a learning cap, with a learning dress, a learning shirt, and I'm always looking for something to learn. And in learning, you'll be able to define your path and where you should go and
0: what you should do. I love that. Okay, Michael, would you like to share your thoughts on this thing? A short advice you would like to generally give to people?
2: It's quite interesting story comparing to mine because as mentioned before, I do not have any academic education. I just finished after the secondary school. I started as a steel factory worker, but already in the first job, I have learned that I really suffer when my brain does not need to work. When you do repeated work, generally, let's call it hard work, but not the brain work. And I spent over a year in a factory, in a steel factory. The main what I take with me was I do not want to do similar anytime again, not because of the hard physical work. But because I feel, really feel, it was a physical feeling that my brain is shrinking. I said to me at the time when I was 19 and I am 50 this year, I will do everything to be the best. But there was one thing on the way that I selected almost every time. Challenges which I have no idea about. I was one of the first men au pair in the UK. There was... Men usually do not care about kids of other people. I did. And it was fun. You know, my mother was a kindergarten teacher, so I have it in my, in my veins. But then I came back, and quite interesting, I searched for a job in the country, and I was thinking, okay, being one year in the UK, speaking quite well English, uh, it will be easy. The people did not ask me about whether I can speak. They asked me, do you have a title? Do you have a certificate? I said, no. Why? Do you want to speak with me English? I don't know how to speak English. I just ask you for your certificate. And this was the answer by 99% of the companies. Nobody was interested whether I can do or not. Just the paper was important. And then at that that moment, I give a call to one German company called Schenker, not knowing what is logistics at all. I never touched logistics. I even did not know what the word means. And But I find an ad in a newspaper because at the time there was no internet, of course, uh, and find out in a newspaper ad. So I go to the city-only phone. So again, no, no mobile phones. And I give them a call and some German guys start to speak with me. I do understand German. I learned only for two years, but my brain worked quite well with languages. So I, I did understand, but I was not able to answer him in German. So it was quite a crazy call and he got me and I started there and everything changed. So for me, what I took from, uh, from Anthony, generally, you don't need to make plans what you will do. If you have a the general one, like I would like to be the best, no matter what I will do, That's you can be the best. It will be hard. You have to learn every single day, but this is exactly what I need. I need this brain works hard. And and you know, David, I have a grandfather, which is 98 years old. His aim is read one book per day. Wow. Can you imagine that you read one book per day, he did it. He does it for (laughs) many years and make 10 riddles. Trust me, it's wonderful to talk and see 100 years old experience and compare it with nowadays. And this is, I built a lot of things for Industry 5.0 on these discussions because your forefathers knows how to run a business, how to uh, invent America or whatever. They have no GPS, no internet, nothing. And still they make international trade. They survived, they built the cities in which we are living without all this stuff. So, there is a lot of knowledge, but uh, the issue is that we generally give it back. It's old. I don't care. So we build it new. It's a wrong approach. But I like what Anthony says. Really be the one. Don't try to be somebody else. Yeah. Because you will never, e- even if you take his heart or her heart, put it in your breast, you will die. It does not work this way. But you can have a role model. It's fine. But not copying it and as i see by anthony case your new business is not copied business you did it you did it with intention you carry it in your mind for generally four years before it came the right moment and you says yes <laughs> and i to be honest i am really jealous on your relationship with your wife my wife when she learned that i will quit a senior role in a second largest japanese a corporation and I start from zero and really from zero because there was nothing what I do nothing in the world she generally say goodbye to me what? and oh, wow. since then for for the eight years we do not speak we live together but we do not speak together she does not support me anymore because I I stopped oh, to be a sad. manager and she she married a manager but right now I have a human on my business card so it's it's a very unhealthy I will not call it a relationship, but we are living together. I have an 18 years old daughter. But, uh, you know, it's really value your relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if your wife help you to get all this thinking about the financial points and so on, you have a big helper and your kids will do the same and you will be the role model. And this is what you have to achieve. Wow. Wow, Michael, that's a very, that's a very (laughs) intense
1: story.
3: (laughs) Thank you. It's going to take me time to get over what Mark just said. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like cherishing the everyday things that you have, but you're like, it's never. Michael, I'm going to have a whole episode with you, not to talk about environment, sustainability, we'll talk about life. Yeah.
2: I will be happy to, because, you know, It is our life. I think right now, Anthony, and all of you, you have found the meaning of your life. You do the meaningful job. It's not about the money. The meaningfulness, it's very different thing. And to be honest, it's quite interesting. Few years ago, I made presentation for, they invited me for a global meetup of psychology students. (laughs) Until now, I don't know whether they call me as a patient I I am not sure. I don't care. Uh, There was 300 people in the room and I presented Industry 5.0 generally. I prepare quite strongly for every of my speech. I spent months to prepare because of my speaking disorder. I have found, and I will share it with you, one hour, today we will call it podcast, one hour from 1959, Carl Gustav Jung, psychologist black and white listen to that this guy is unbelievable it's and he ends up this one hour he ends up with following sentence the man cannot live meaningless life yeah and at that moment when i heard it i said yes i did what i find meaningful and i started just from zero not taking care that it's a zero every hero start from zero Uh, impressive stories here and there it's very good to hear
1: what you guys have been through, how you guys started, how you guys brought everything up, the inception, the energy, the learning part and everything. When Anthony was talking, Anthony said something. He said um, the industry in Ghana, when it comes to the logistics, is quite huge. And he also made mention of, Anthony, can you please tell us some of the technologies that is being used in this industry and some of the loopholes in the industry? We would like to share with our listeners. them to know what's going on in the industry in ghana
3: sure um thank you brown um i'm i'm still trying to get over michael's uh, (laughs) (laughs) um so yes technology is is key um it's very important in every aspect but logistics itself is huge um i don't know any part of this world anything that we do from agriculture to whatever that you don't need logistics and logistics is broad i am just only do a fraction of the, this logistics and i'm sure michael can speak to it and it's a business that is lifetime is generational it's sustainable it's not a one-time thing if you connect sustainability to logistics you find meaning to it a lot of meaning and how uh, it's a space that we need to really look at because it's one of the things that will is good for posterity and then for generations and future generations so but for my space which is the the e-commerce get commerce delivery courier space I am just using motorbikes and, and one car. And in that space, it's predominantly the e-commerce apps and the uh, e-commerce app. So if you want food, there's an app for you to get the food. If you want uh, to buy a dress, there's an app for you to buy a dress. The technology is app-based and maybe um, in terms of, um, forgive me, but I may not be able to speak to technology as part of it. In in my space. If it's in America, let's say Amazon, then I can speak about robotics and how they use yeah. robots and the rest technology to do soon. You will get there. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> now over here, over here is just generally the motorbikes and the cars and the mobile app that we use. So we create a platform. So we've just created a platform that the vendors can use to connect to the logistics to make their work. Um, easier, as well as create a convenience for customers as well. You made mention of the mobile apps. With a country like Ghana, I,
1: sometimes I would say uh, people, when they have to use mobile apps to do things. I mean, Ghanaians actually m- like to go the traditional way, call you, pick up, come for you and stuff. How do people integrate with these mobile apps and this new technology in this space? I mean, your company is quite new because you started last uh, last year. Yes. So yes. how do people integrate this mobile applications with your services and everything?
3: Okay. We, we still have a larger part of the of the industry still relying on the phone-in businesses. They still want to call. They still want to have the human, you know, touch. So traditional, we are going to want to call and speak to somebody and get it done. We have a growing space where they are more tech-savvy and they also buy into the convenience and they, won't, they don't want the stress of picking a phone to call. They are busy. They will rather go on, a, mm-hmm. on their mobile app or on, on a website to request for it. We are serving both markets. We are not ignoring the other, but we think that the future is technologies, the mobile app, where a time will come, people will not really have the time to pick a phone to call, but they'll rather go on the app or on the system to place their request. So what we've done is we've created APIs That for businesses who also have mobile apps, they can plug our API into their system and automatically they will get Mm. um, the the deliveries that they want. We also developed the the mobile app for the Shark Express app for customers to also go on it and directly request for um, delivery. So for us, we are serving both the, the digital market and the traditional market as well.
0: Hi there, just a quick one. So if you're enjoying this conversation, why don't you just share this episode with a friend of a friend and let's get more people to listen to this episode, the urgency of climate change and humans reducing our impact and footprint on the environment is a necessity and these are the conversations we need to promote you can also help us by giving us a star rating or sharing your comments on whichever platform you are listening to this episode visit our websites and our social media platforms in the show notes and get interactive with us or send us an email at podcast at ecoametsolutions.com so thank you in advance Let's get back into this conversation. So I actually wanted to get Michael's thoughts also on how the industry looks, let's say, outside Ghana. I'm sure you have a very fair idea of what's, what's happening uh, around the world.
2: In fact, uh, Anthony mentioned that there are many countries and many markets and many companies really concentrating on the same, on the electronics. They have more robots, they have better warehouses, they have whatever. But in a, in a global scale, there will be no logistic 4.0 or 5.0. It's all the time logistics. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it remains logistics. You have to move something from A to B. I don't think Amazon is doing the right thing, generally, because if you look at a global picture yesterday, I received a request from Amazon in Czech Republic which has. 100,000 meters square warehouse just for the repacking the stuff. And they are looking for supplier of wooden pallets, 30,000 pieces per month. Wow. Single use. Oh, come on. Uh, horrible, horrible things. But the development is the same. What is dropped and maybe what you don't heard about. A few years ago, there was a big discussion that drones, the flying drones will take over part of the delivery. Yeah. Amazon drop it recently. DHL dropped it recently, the project. And UPS dropped it. So the flying drones for deliveries are generally being dropped by the third biggest supporters. Recently, it's new. What is still in a game are the drones which are riding on the pavement. So generally small cars or how we call it, small mm-hmm. transporters, mm-hmm. you fill it, it goes. In China, you maybe saw it in Shenzhen, I think is a Yes, test, I saw Where is a small red one.
1: Shopper, yeah, the red one, I saw it. Exactly.
2: Yes. And in Dubai, what they did, they used Tesla cars, driveless, to deliver shipments. So you receive a shipment with a a Tesla car came in front of your de- apartment, you just unlock it with your phone and you pick up what is inside. So in Czech Republic, we have tested recently, it started uh, last week or something like that. Škoda Auto, so one of the car makers, is testing to, to deliver packages in a cup of a car, of a parked car. Because they can unlock it remotely. Okay. Mm. So you don't have to be at home. They will deliver to the cup of your car. Close it. It's quite interesting. What did Amazon several years ago? Interesting idea as well. He thinks, okay, I have a lot of workers in here. And they go after the work in a city. Why shouldn't they take some of the packages in the city? To deliver them in the location and he paid for it. That's a great idea. We have a lot of commuting people from one side to the others, but we don't use it. And just now I came to one of the ideas which I, uh, when I get through Anthony's website, I said, okay, how many of your careers take something back?
4: <laughs>
2: mm. Because why not? You can combine it. I don't say they will take food back, back, but they can need to deliver some package or whatever in the other direction. And then you will establish a milk run, which again, cut your cost on half, almost on half. You will have a double and so on and so on. So the connectivity, and this is exactly the logistics. Why I say that I don't think that Amazon is going good, it's not about the sustainability itself. But there is one critical point which you, as a logistician, have to consider. Our fathers, our grandfathers, when they need some food or something, they plan it. They know one week ahead, they have to pick it up. With the speed up of technology, we are losing ability to plan. In my country, one of the biggest e-trader distributor, generally concentrating on food, is really large, he delivered within six hours. And in Prague, in a capital, he delivered within 90 minutes, which means you lose your ability to plan. don't have a bread, in 90 minutes you will have it. Try to ride with a map instead of GPS. If you have been used to map before, you've been able to drive all around the globe just with a map. Then came GPS. You switch to GPS easily. From one minute to the other, you switch. Try to switch back. (laughs) That's crazy stuff. Really crazy stuff. Because even we lose our orientation sense somehow. I don't, but it's proof by science on mice that they really lose it. If you give them something as a tool, they lose it. So that's one of the risks which I would like to point out. And we can solve it because. If we do not solve it, the next time, the food will be not ordered by a man, no matter whether in app or on the phone. It will be ordered by the fridge. <laughs> Without even... In Japan, in Japan it works. They test it by Honda and by Panasonic. They have uh, scanners of the food. And if something is close to the end date of the yeah. life, uh, I don't know how it's expiry called. generally date. Yeah, expire date, exactly. The fridge orders. <laughs> wow. It's not asking you, it's ordering. That's crazy. <laughs> in, in my country, there are refill centers for the stores. They use containers, they are smart containers. And these containers order next order because they are waiting. Automatically. Wow. It's a system which was introduced two years ago. You know, I am educating innovation, so I get in touch with a lot of this stuff, and some of them really happen. But what makes me worried really is the our intentional loss of the ability to plan. That's a very risky issue which I would like to prevent, and which people like Anthony can generally help because... He does not have only used the app to order the food or package. You can use it to generally educate the people. How? If you order today in 90 minutes, it will cost you triple the price. But if you order it for next day, you will have the price. If you order it one week ahead, of course, you cannot do it with all. But this is the way how to educate them. And the people will get back. And it's important to learn to plan. And that's, I think, it's one of the things which can be very interesting for you because you will be the only one on the market. You don't need to be the others by the price. You need to offer something different. That's,
0: that that's good. Different. That yeah, that's good. A, really, a really good idea. I think Michael has already started talking about some of the loopholes that he sees in the, in the industry. Anthony, is there any other loopholes that you see in the industry in Ghana around you? Yeah, there might be market-specific loopholes,
3: but what Michael touched on is it's a valid point. I've gotten actually two ideas from his submission. I've noted one now, which is the scheduled deliveries, where we can we can charge one fifth of the actual price if you order a week or two days or three days, I mean, for the plan. It also gives us the time to be able to schedule, plan our route, route the bikes, and then all that. And the second idea was. The smart container, I think, it's something that will really—it's a crazy thing, really. <laughs> yeah, but but market specific in Ghana, yes, there there are some loopholes, uh, and it's and it's because of the nature of our market. As we speak now, we have a regulatory body that um supervises this industry. Um, you are supposed to acquire certificates to operate. Uh, but we have we we have the small very small businesses we have uh, the medium businesses and we have the big big shots in the industry the capital to acquire the license itself is very expensive for a small business so you need a lot of money to get license to operate now some people are just out of school they they love logistics they want to go into that space they don't have the jobs to do they don't have companies to join to learn from so they intend to start they want to bootstrap from the very beginning. So they acquire, they try and get some money from family or for someone to start something on their own. And imagine somebody has one motorbike and wants to um, start a logistic business. And the person is supposed to acquire a license for that amount of money. Um, it's, the license itself still combined on a motorbike. Yeah. <laughs> combined a motorbike. So um, that, is, that is more of a, a mobility gap that I think the government should look into. And try and see how they can not to necessarily lower the market the uh, the barrier lower it for everybody to come into that space. The other bit is the is, is pricing. The disparities in pricing is is too much. For a same person who wants to start this new business and has bought one b- motorbike, this person because wants more clients will reduce the price outrageously, like will charge like one tenth or one twentieth of the actual price just so they can have customers. Then we'll take the others and we'll not be able to deliver and not only give the bad name for the industry or the type of delivery services, but we'll also create a price anomaly in the, in the industry. Now, this client who has enjoyed a cheaper rate, when that service is unavailable and the, person, and the client comes to you, he or she is expecting the same amount of uh, the same price and thinking that the modus of friendly is the same, the mode of operation and run the business are the same. The cost structure for a one-bike owner will not be the same cost structure for somebody who owns more than one bike. But then again, the prices are different. But customers do not understand that. They think that, you know, when I come to you, I should have the same price as the person I went to who has one bike, does not have an office, is running from the home, um, it's not, it's, has not put certain things in place to make sure that in case of damage package, there's a refund policy, nothing. Of that sort and yet you're supposed to pay the same price for it the other bit the other bit of it has to do with what michael touched on you know we're in the era of quick service that's what they call it, the kill commerce we want everything fast now these customers think the motorbikes actually fly they think that is motorbikes a drone so when when they ask for a delivery they expect it in the next five minutes and that's what michael was talking about the lack of planning our inability to plan So I want to take this uh, this document to the bank uh, by 2.30. The customer will request for the the delivery at 2.30. How do you want to get there at 2.30? But you should rather call us maybe in the morning at 8 a.m. and say, you know what? I want this document delivered to this bank by 2.30. Can you please get it done? So we have from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. to plan, pick, and deliver. But no, the customer has lost what Michael
2: will say. Uh, our forefathers' way of survival. (laughs) It's not me to keep quiet. I have added many years ago one thing. I teach my clients in logistics. They don't pay for the service. They pay for the time and for the time they lost. So if they order too late, they will pay much more. And some companies, I don't know whether you have here, for sure you know TNT, but do you know that TNT has a special service department. It's a department which you can order an elephant to have it the next day. (laughs) And they will charter the plane and they will deliver. But you have to pay a lot of money to have the elephant. But they built entire department with, I don't know, 500 people which care only about a special service. And they put it really in the price. It's they pay for time. And this is exactly, if you really implement it, I think many companies will learn how to plan. And it's about the logistics. As I I didn't touch before, but generally dealing with the waste and wasting, every day in the world is wasted 23 million tons of every single day. Imagine that, 23 million tons. And when I spoke about it with the president of the Czech Logistic Academy, for whom I do educate and hold workshops and so on, he says, Mr. Rada, we have enough, everything, but on a wrong place. And that's exactly the point. And this is logistics. So uh, I have a question to Anthony because you are for almost, let's say, one year in a business. What is the share in the shipments between f- food and non-food
3: food is about 62 percent
2: 62 percent
3: is food yes. for, for, which for means my... quick deliveries yes for my business 62
2: percent is food okay that's mean that not too many companies order the food but individuals individuals so i have too many individuals on using our services my suggestion to you why not the companies why not an office company should not offer the food using your service? Of course, I do understand that you will not carry on a motorcycle a 100 foot. But you spoke about the car. Generally, what is missing is a combination. It's a combination. This is what I spoke about. Food and something. And that's, I think, that will be your strength. Yes. Because you are very flexible. You are not limited by the limits of the others. No, no, no.
3: For us, we are very flexible.
2: That must be the key, not the price itself. You will offer more. I never be the price of a client. If he asks me for a price, I generally leave the, I leave the meeting. I, because if he, pri, if he asks for price, he just wants to push me somewhere. No, I don't accept this anymore. For 10 years, I, I reject this. I can deliver a service. And the service will save him a lot of money. But he has to buy a, a solution. And this solution, you will be offering a solution. And you maybe will be the first in the world who will offer unique solution. Why not Ghana? Why it should be Amazon? No. Amazon is doing all the time the same because they are too big. They cannot change. They are the giant, which one step of giant, it's a long, but it takes years to change. You are the flexible one.
0: Yeah, actually, um, I mean, these are good stuff. You've already mentioned some of the loopholes that you find uh, in the industry. Earlier, you've already given us a little gist of what um, Shaq Express does, but I would like you to just mention specifically in direct answers to maybe some of the loopholes that are already in the industry. Let's talk a little bit on what Shaq Express does um, straightforward. Um, Let us know how do you operate? What is your business model? How do how do you supply goods to people? How do people reach you? How do you, in general, operate? So we use two models.
3: I initially said we use the offline model, the phone in, where a customer can call um, anytime and uh, request for delivery today or tomorrow. And we will assign a rider to go pick the item up. Then we have the second model where the customer will not call the office. Where the customer will go straight to the Shark Express app and then uh, we'll request a rider through the app. I mean, it's a simple simple model and a simple process. So in our office, we have two teams, just like Michael mentioned, that it's a special service. We have a team that is managing the app and making sure that every request that comes on the app is uh, successfully done. And we have a team um, that is also standby, waiting for calls from customers. They'll pick it up, they'll pick the call and submit the details of your delivery request then they will route the nearest rider to your delivery request to pick it up and get it done.
1: Moving away from your business model, uh, you have uh, riders, you have people delivering all these packages and all these goods to people in different parts of the city. How do you ensure that your riders are actually carrying their duties in a safe mode? How do you ensure that everybody is safe? Do they have some specific training Because I think to have a sustainable business means that your workers, everybody in the business works in quite a suitable and a friendly environment. So how do you make sure that these riders are safe in carrying out their duties? Do they have any specific training attached to their daily routines?
3: Yes. So we have trainees at onboarding. We have bi-monthly special general trainings, and we have everyday training. So we understand that there's always a traditional way of doing things, and there's always the modern way, the new way of doing things, the digital way. (laughs) So most of our riders are the traditional way of doing things. And uh, unfortunately to say this, uh, there's this stereotype about dispatch riders where they don't adhere to traffic regulations. So one of the... one of the things that by Ashak Express, when you do that, you are immediately dismissed as part of your agreement that you sign, that you would not flaunt any of these traffic regulations. And our customers are so helpful that they send us pictures and videos of our riders in, on the road, in traffic, movement. So we always get it. And then we use some of these, some of these videos and pictures to reward or punish. For lack of better words so uh, now we mostly do rewarding because we believe that these are some of the things that will inadvertently change the behavioral patterns of some of these guys because if i say that you've done a good job by not jumping the traffic light even though you're, you're not supposed to but because you are used to certain way of doing it and over here we are restricting you from doing it we appreciate the effort that you've put in yeah not to do that so we give gifts, we give bonuses, we give packages and all that to these guys. And we can proudly say that over the past 15 months, today, you will not, I can put my last penny on it, that you will not find a Shark Express rider jumping in traffic light. And it has been a continuous training. Now, a sustainable way to go is that approach. Besides the protective uh, clothing and all that they need to wear and then make sure that they they, they ride. We also teach them defensive riding and then train them on what to do in certain instances. So we understand that the road is used by other vehicle users and uh, accident is not necessarily your fault. In some cases, it's, it's from the third party and all. So Defensive driving is one of the things that is important. So that for the training, is it's an ongoing process. And it's an everyday thing. And we have to do that because that's the only way we can deliver a customer's package the same way we pick it up. That's the only way a rider will come to work, get his job done, and go back the same way he came. So it's, it's very key for us to um, ensure that training is an everyday um, job at Shark Express. Actually, I'm happy
1: to hear that it's a continuous process at SAC Express training. It's, uh, it's very impressive. David, do you have something to add?
0: Yeah, it's just a follow-up to that. I actually wanted to ask this because, you know, this industry, it's sort of male-dominated, right? So I, w- I want to ask if, I mean, for the past few months that you've been, you've been working, um, have, have you considered, you know, trying to get, you know, the, the minorities mainly on board? Yeah, but hold on to that thought till we continue this conversation next week. See you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Green Living Chats podcast. This initiative is to educate and create awareness on things that really matter. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments as we get interactive on our social media platforms at Echo Amet Solutions on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. If you would like to be part of these conversations, contact us via email at glcpodcasts at echoametsolutions.com or see our contact details in the show notes. Our conversation today was just part one of a two-part series. So see you on the next episode for part two of today's conversation. And remember, live green.